podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome back to Hell on Hills podcast. I'm Bryce. I'm Brianna. I'm Amanda. Welcome, everyone. Welcome back to the party. Well, how are you guys? I'm good. Amanda just changed a diaper. I bet that was fun. It actually kind of was because it was dark green <laughs> and she's never had that color before. Ew. I just ate. <laughs> I literally just ate. What are you trying That's to do? That's why I waited <laughs> until you put your plate up. Oh, Look, yeah, it's Bree's fault. It's Bree's fault. I wasn't going to mention it and she goaded me. Not that much. You didn't need much. <laughs> Good hell. All right. All right. Well, we do have exciting news. Exciting updates for our listeners. So, Brie, Amanda, and myself have been working very hard to update our Patreon so that we can provide more content on Patreon for everyone since that's that's an option. And so we actually just revamped everything that we already had on there. So instead of only having one $5 tier, we have three different tiers that we now offer. So our first pack is the Hellion Starter Pack. Um, and that is $3 per month. Um, and what is included in that is going to be early access to episodes as well as access to our Discord server that we are creating for Hell on Heels podcast. So that's $3 per month if you want to be able to listen to our beautiful voices a little bit earlier in the week. Now we also have uh, the next step up. There's basic Hellions for $5 a month and you get the early access and you get to access our Discord, like Bryce said. But you also get monthly AMAs or Ask Me Anythings from us. You get party episodes and bloopers. Now, there is no pumpkin spice included, unfortunately. And finally, we have our Celebrity Hellions pack for $10 a month. And if you guys subscribe to this, you will get access to super in-depth bonus episodes. And these really are not like our normal episodes. All three of us take a deep dive into a particular case and analyze it from any angle that we can, from every angle. You also get the same benefits as the basic and the starter pack. So early access to episodes, monthly ask me anything, access to Discord, party episodes, bloopers, and Hellion shoutouts. If you're a celebrity, get ready for your shoutout. So we definitely worked really hard to revamp this. We want to make sure that we have multiple options for different budgets, that type of stuff. Um, And for anyone that wants us to be able to continue making more of the content like what we're making, um, this would actually really help us to be able to continue creating different types of content that we have. Um, And we're really excited to present you guys these new options and our new revamped Patreon. So if you're interested, go ahead and go to Patreon and check it out. Obviously, any support that you give us, including listening, is always appreciated, and we love you regardless. Anyways, so there's your update. Um, I don't think we have any other personal updates. I mean, oh, Amanda does. I forgot to tell y'all, because that's just how excited I am, apparently. James went ahead and gave me my birthday gifts, and I got this. Son of a bitch. It looks like a book. Serial killer trivia. I am excited. Are those all just trivia questions? No. Yeah, so James got me serial killer trivia, 
And I'm so proud of him because he got me this and he got me some kind of weird, like, thick, comfy, really soft hoodie thing. It's built like a poncho, but it's super soft oh, and warm. Is it like one of the super, like, oversized blinky type ones? Yeah. It's kind of like a Snuggie, but it's not a Snuggie. It's a hoodie. It's a hoodie. Yeah. Yeah. Neither of these things was on that don't fuck it up Amazon list. And he got them. And I was like, this was fucking wonderful. I'm so- he got a stupid picture of me with them. It was wonderful. It was great. Oh, that's fun. That's exciting. So wait, what, what's the trivia thing? Is it so just a book? It, yeah, it's a pretty <laughs> thick book. And it has all these different random questions. But then it goes into super long explanations. And I fucking love that. Oh, so it's like a legit Amanda, book. we should do that for a Patreon episode. We are 1000% going to do that. We are you should 1, like thousand percent not reading it verbatim for you guys, but hell no, y'all yeah. gotta buy the book. <laughs> Anyways, well that's exciting. Are you so excited? Because we're recording this the week before your birthday, so mm-hmm. we didn't do our math right. And our last episode that I just finished, nope, the one that came out today is the one that would have needed to be your shout out. So sorry that you don't get a shout out on the podcast on your birthday. Near your I won't birthday. hold it against you. Not this year, at least. No, I'm going to hold it against Brie, but not you. Oh, Because okay. I got to be what mad a- at somebody. <laughs> what about me? I'm Sorry, holding it against you. Holding what against me? Uh... <laughs> not I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Wait, what? That song? Uh, the, uh, I can't sing it, but... Um, I don't know what... I know mm-hmm. what song you're talking about. What song? It talks about What's holding their body against you. I don't know. Yeah, probably called hold, hold it against me. Hold Isn't it, it like you feel home. like paradise something yep. something? That's the one. And I need a vacation tonight. Yeah, that one. Sure, that sounds great. Yeah, by Britney Spears. I don't know that song. Sorry, I can't sing it for I, you. I don't know that song. I know how much y'all love me. I know but... exactly what one it is. How do you not know that song? Okay, we're right. taking a pause break. Hold on. Okay, I got you. <laughs> That's the one you were thinking, right? Yeah. Okay. We'll I, like I said, out of Annie. What? When I said, oh, okay, I got it. Like, oh. I, I scared the fuck out of her. That was funny. Okay. Anyway, so now we've established we all know what song it is. Mm-hmm. Anyways, well, that was a fun adventure. Are you guys ready to get into um, story time? Yeah. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm excited too because you guys are both, you both have good stories, right? I think so. Well, yeah. Okay. That didn't sound very convincing, so I don't know if I should be concerned or convinced. Uh, okay. <laughs> you you specifically are going to adore this story. Okay. Adore? A door? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because the A is capitalized. And so is the D-O-R-E. Adore. Yes. A-D-O-R-E. This story. Yeah. Okay, I'm ready. No, I'm not. Cody just walked in. Hold on. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> Okay, sorry. Continue. Damn. All right. Y'all, my, my stories have been crazy heavy. And this is something that a friend of mine, shout out Gamma, uh, he is Australian. And he mentioned this in passing once. And I was like, no fucking way. And he's like, yeah, it's real. Google it. It's fun. It's whimsical. It is still technically true crime. So we're going to talk about it today. Now, most, if not all countries, they have a national bird, right? Um, according to BirdEden.com, they're a symbol of a nation's rich biodiversity, culture, and beliefs. 
They project the image of that country and they can even become a source of inspiration. So in the U.S., we've got the bald eagle, right? Most in, just inspiring as shit. We love it here. Mm-hmm. Freedom, bitches. Yeah, America. Germany don't and go, Scotland. Don't go that on me. <laughs> <laughs> well, down here, that's literally how we say it. So, you know, no. South, yeehaw. My next I'm, sunburnt and all that shit. I, I'm from Texas. I don't say yeehaw nor America. Oh, I don't. I either. don't say either, but I'm going to say America <laughs> for these purposes. I hear it. I hear it a lot back home, especially with a roll tide thrown in there somewhere. Uh, Germany and Scotland, they both have the golden sun eagle. Singapore, they claim the crimson sunbird, which that just sounds like a badass bird. Okay. I don't know what it looks like. like I didn't Google it. Bird. That's like, what it I thought of. Fake. Yeah. It sounds like mythical and just like it has a long tail made of flames yeah okay australia's national bird however is the emu and pmc.gov.au says the emu was specifically chosen because of its inability to move backwards and i like that that's clever uh they can't move backwards emus can't move backwards no their knees don't bend that way okay yeah they have to just run in a i guess they gotta like hang a 90 i don't know okay (laughs) so today we're gonna have a little chat about why australia waged war on their national birds in the 1920s oh you're gonna love it i promise okay i'm excited go (laughs) you're probably not gonna like the end so in the 1920s roughly 5,000 veterans came home from world war one And they were given about 9 million hectares of land, which I've never heard of before. But a hectare, uh, 9 million hectares would equal 22,239,000 acres. And that made up. Did they line up a bunch of men named Hector? From my understanding, there was actually no uh, Hector involved in this scheme. Are you sure? No. Okay. (laughs) How many hectares is this again? Because I would like that many hectares to begin listening to us starting today. Nine million. Okay. All of the hectares, please just pop in some some headphones. Yeah. Yeah. Just hop right on in there. Yeah. Just Hector. No one else. Sorry. No, everyone can. I just want nine million hectares specifically. If hectors get like the primary is. boarding, like the first people yeah. to board a plane. That's the hectors. Yeah. I, if we're using that as a term of measurement now, I would just like to use it for ourselves as well. I will be using that now. <laughs> now that I know what it is. Because I think if I remember, it was a hectare is like 2.4 or 2.7 acres, something like that. Okay. Now, all that land, that equaled out to about 23,000 farms. That's a lot of people. They did this as part of the re- as part of the Returned Soldier Settlement Act, and this started in 1916. So when soldiers started coming home, the government came up with this plan to make sure they had a way to take to a way to make money, and they were okay. Uh, land that was provided to these soldiers it came from either crown land, which is similar to like state parks in the U.S., or it was bought for this specific purpose to give to these farmers. Most of the indigenous men who served in World War I, they weren't eligible for the settlement scheme because at the time, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, they didn't have the same rights as other Australians. And to kind of add insult to injury there, a lot of land was taken from them 
during the colonization of Australians. So Australia basically took their land, gave it to veterans. And even if they were also a veteran, the Mm -hmm. aboriginals in the Torres Strait, they most commonly were denied to get this. But the anyway, the veterans could apply. Huh? I said that's bullshit. Yeah, it's fucked up. It's it's uh, not nice. The veterans, they could apply for this land if they served overseas and they were honorably, honorably discharged. But they had to clear it themselves. They had to build their own house. They had to put a fence around it and they had to plant their own crops. They give them the land and they're like, now it's yours. Go, go be a farmer. I mean, the land itself is expensive. So like, all right, fine. I have to do all the work, but that's, that's a farmer's life. I'm glad yeah, you said that. Exactly. Because the, the whole problem here, one... A lot of these men, that's that's what they thought, you know, like, this sounds like a pretty sweet, I mean, shit, this does sound like a pretty sweet deal. But a lot of these men had never farmed before. So some of them did pan out. A lot of them didn't. And Wait, a lot of this, this again, this was in the 1920s, closer to the oh. 1930s. Okay, so they didn't have Google. They couldn't Google how to be a farmer. Yeah, right. No, no, they were just shy of Google, actually, okay. by like three years. <laughs> <laughs> wait no they weren't that's google the came out oh <laughs> that's the wait, joke that, and it just was... sailed over your head i feel like all of y'all's jokes just kind of the other problem with this land that they gave out is a lot of it it was just desolate land riddled with wild animals and then like i said this is the late 20s so the great depression hits and you know, the whole world's fucked. Well, the Australian prime minister at the time, James Scullin, he tried to help and he asked farmers to start growing wheat. And he promised, if you do this, we're going to pass this wheat marketing bill. And what that did was guarantee a minimum for the crop. So it's really going to help these guys out. The problem is that that never passed and the crops were selling for way less than what they were promised. They did eventually pass a relief bill a few lays late, a few years later, but at that time it was kind of already too late, and all these farmers are just screwed with all this wheat. Now, after taking this hit, the farmers were basically like, fuck you, and they stopped selling wheat and just started hoarding it until the government was going to give them the price that they wanted for it, which is kind of badass, I gotta say. Yeah, but then it just comes into all those farmers getting arrested. Uh, no. Something a little different happened. You're kind of close. The farmers in Western Australia specifically, they got hit especially hard because towards the fall, the emus started migrating and they see all this wheat and they're like, fuck yeah, that looks delicious. And they are destroying these farms because there's about 20,000 migrating emu running through all this land. The fences that... The farmers set up, they were good for keeping out the local animals, like the rabbits and the foxes and stuff like that. But emus are six feet tall and they weigh up to 60 kilograms or 132 pounds. And average is 69 to 82 pounds. So these some big birds. They trampled these fences and they massacred the crops. And then all the rabbits came in and further massacred these farms. So they're just like taking hits from every angle, these guys. And I imagine they were pretty angry. And these guys are, most of them are trained soldiers. You know, they just got home from war a couple years back. So they start 
killing the birds. And at the time, the emus were considered vermin by the government. And wait, were they already the like the bird of Australia at that point? Yeah. And they're considered vermin? Yeah, because there was that many. And because of the havoc, they were wreaking on these farms. That kind of seems contradictory. Like, why would your bird be a vermin as well? Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it's it's illegal to, like, shoot and kill a bald eagle, right? But that's or, I, like, that's yeah. different. It's illegal that's to pick, up. like, a state flower. I hope not. <laughs> oh, really? It's illegal to pick a state yeah. flower. Oh, in Texas, it's illegal to pick the blue bonnet. But aren't they, like, pretty common? Yeah. Oh, I guess that's it's why. Illegal. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I can tell you now it is illegal to kill an emu unless you have a permit. And I think other stipulations, like if it's your own emu or medical reasons, you know. But you can't go out and just start hunting them down like these farmers did at this time. And they were kind of successful because uh, one report said that they killed, it actually said that some boys, it didn't give their age, but it specifically said the word boys killed 27 emu in one day simply by riding around on a bike and hitting them in the head with a stick. And they tried that with a truck, but the engine was too loud and the birds ran away. So they used bicycles. Problem solvers right there. Like they figured out the truck didn't work. (laughs) Go getters. I'm telling you. I mean, they figured it out, but my 27 in a day. Yeah. Like there's, there's more birds they murdered in one day than there are hours in a day. Yeah, they were doing pretty good. They were just, they were beating hell out these birds. Was this just like one group of people, you know, like a group of like five or mm-hmm. six? Okay. Yeah. It that didn't makes... tell me how many and it didn't tell me, uh, like I said, how old they were. It just specifically said one group of boys. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, you know, boys will be boys and boys will kill emus. Oh, is that the new saying? Yes. Now, the problem with this is, you know, they were they were getting rid of some of them, but they they had sh- the sheer number of these birds working against them because 27 out of 20,000, you got a few more to go. 20,000 just in that, would you say, northern re- region? Uh, western. Western Western Australia. region? Mm-hmm. That was the In estimate. just western Australia. In just fall. In just that fall. I mean, I listen, I don't like birds, but I mean, I still, I still don't feel like you should just be going around killing all these emus. Oh, yeah. you're going to like these birds a lot less. Oh, okay. <laughs> I personally love them. And I love this story. <laughs> so normally in a situation like this, the farmers would turn to the Minister of Agriculture. But for some reason in this situation, they went to the Minister of Defense. And I couldn't find why multiple sources stated that they just didn't trust the Minister of Agriculture at the time. I mean, it could be because they're probably all, if not most, ex-soldiers. It could be because of the mix-up where the prime minister was like, plant this wheat, and then they got screwed over. I couldn't find out why. But they go to the minister of defense, and he was both the minister of defense and the Western Australia senator, Sir George Pierce. And that is our first photo of Mr. Pierce right there. That's a very good photo. Real classy. Yeah. And no, that does look really classy. He looks like, oh gosh, sorry. I'm trying to find his name really quick. Uh, He looks like an actor. Matt Walsh. No idea who that is. Have you seen Life of the Party? No. 
Um, I'm really bad at this, at the Have You Seen game, by the way. Hold on, I'm going to send it to you right now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what he's in, but I know what he's in. Does that make sense? Like, I know he's... You've seen him in things. Definitely. Oh, he does look like him. Yeah. Kind of eerie. Like, super similar. I have no idea. Anyways, he might have family in high places over here. (laughs) Wow, that is... Very similar. Right? So these farmers get together and they send a letter to Matt Walsh's uncle, Sir George Pierce. And they're like, hey, we're having an issue with these birds. Can you send us some machine guns? And Pierce met with the commandant of the 5th Military District, Brigadier A.M. Martin. And they got together and they're like, this is a great idea. This is going to be good practice because the emus are really fast. Like they can run up to 40 miles an hour. It's an opportunity for positive propaganda because this is the Great Depression. So we can we can be like, hey, farmers, look, we care. The government's helping y'all. They did consult with the local society for the prevention of cruelty to animals. And these guys were like, oh, that's totally cool. Cool, cool, cool. Make sure it's humane and they don't suffer. And then... Colonel Hode, H-O-A-D, of the Australian Light Horse heard about this. And the Australian Light Horse is a division of uh, mounted cavalry and infantry. And they have that second photo. They have these really cool hats with the ostrich feathers on them. So Commander Hode heard about this whole plan. And he's like, hey, give me a thousand of those feathered skins to make these hats for my troops. So everybody's just all in on this plan. Pierce, uh, he was so confident about this plan that he sent three soldiers and two machine guns. They were actually specifically Lewis machine guns. And he did not tell his superiors about it. And the deal was that the farmers were going to pay for the ammo and food and housing for the soldiers. And the guns, they could only be manned by professionally trained soldiers with that gun. And that did not include the farmers, even though I assume they were at one point in time professional soldiers, but only those three guys could man these machine guns. The Farmers National Bank even fronted the money as long as it was repaid out of the future profit that the farmers were going to make. And they even offered indemnity indemnity for any damages that happened at the time. Confused why only three people. Okay, correction. I'm confused why a machine gun is being used at all. Yeah. (laughs) Like this isn't comprehending like, they, there are a group of kids that figured out just ride around on a bicycle and hit them on the head. Like, why do we need machine guns? They later ask for bombs to be dropped out of planes. <laughs> Spoiler alert. I mean, if you've got 20,000, you can't, you know, kill 20 a day. Yeah, that's why you have a group of different people going around doing it. Like, if it's for population control of the emus, fine. By all means, go ahead and do your population control. Don't let the meat go to waste. Don't let... Like an animal that But these boys were professionals. Not I... everyone can catch 27 emus on their bicycle. I think if they could figure it out, someone else could figure it out. Okay, so the plan's in motion, right? And <laughs> Pierce sends the three soldiers and two Lewis guns from the Royal Australian Artillery. And he also sends a cameraman for a company called Fox Movie Tone obviously to record footage for this propaganda that they're going to spin later. You know, this government help, government care stuff. Major GPW Meredith was in charge of this emu mission and Sergeant McMurray and Gunner O'Halloran 
They were the other two soldiers that went with him. They got on a train and they traveled to the Campion district in early October of 1932. And they originally planned to unleash hell immediately. But when they got there, it started raining really bad and it rained for about a month. And while it was raining, the emu just disappeared. So they kind of had to wait. These poor farmers are having to house and feed them during this month. And I mean, that just kind of sucks. But that was the deal they made. So here we are. And I can't remember. I think I missed the bullet, too. I'm sorry. They also sent them with 10,000 rounds of ammunition. And the bank and therefore the farmers, they had to pay for that, too. The farmers, they upheld their end of the deal. So they're they're feeding and housing these soldiers for this month. And after the rains left on November 2nd, that's when they go out and they find the first herd of birds. And it's about 50 of them. They tried to herd them. So the farmers, they use their trucks and probably their feet, whatever they have. And the farmers are herding them towards the soldiers. And they very quickly found out that the problem with this is when you scare or herd emu, they don't run all together like cows or sheep. They scatter. And they were not really expecting that. But they did shoot at these birds and they killed six. Okay, they need the the boys that killed 27 on their bicycles in charge of this operation. Yeah, right? This isn't going well so far. Just first day, you know, government, military, machine guns. I was expecting more. Yeah. Maisie says she'll herd them if she needs to help. (laughs) She is. That's what she's uh, made for. I don't know how she's going to herd them if they scatter, but I'm sure she would try. She can figure it out. She would... She would probably herd two at the same time. One's going north and one's going south. I believe it. (laughs) (laughs) The soldiers regrouped and they planned to ambush and they came up with a plan. I can't speak today. They came up with a plan to ambush the birds again. So this time they set up on a dam and they wait hours until 30 of the birds are wandering within distance. And they get pretty close because they're literally just sitting there. And they fired about 150 rounds into this group of 30 birds and recovered no bodies. Heads, do they realize that they should probably aim for the larger part of their body, not the skinniest part of them? I would assume, because I was taught that's uh, gun 101. I mean, you're just more likely to hit them if you're going for their ball like everything, not their springy neck. Well, see, here's the confusing part for me. At this point in time is when the farmers told the soldiers that the emus' bodies were so dense and their feathers were so thick that they can survive being shot five or six times only to succumb to their wounds later. So you can shoot them about five or six times and then they will run away and escape and then you'll just find a body. Okay, but how did the kids on the bike... Manage. <laughs> did they track them afterwards? Because, like, now it did say at the time, to be fair, it did say at the time that when the kids were going around and hitting them with the sticks, the emus weren't really afraid of people, but they did learn pretty quickly from that to stay away from humans. I guess if you watch 27 of your friends die, you're probably not going to go around people anymore. Did that make it through the emu get grapevine like that? I, there's a how you said 20,000 of them in that area? Yes. And all 20,000 of them were like, oh, we heard about Carl. We're not going over that way. 
Avoid the humans. No! 20,000 emails did not watch 27 of them die from the kids. Look, I don't know about their water cooler chatter, okay? They let each other know, actually, through carrier pigeons. (laughs) you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so November 4th, I believe this was two days later. Oh, Halloran, he goes back to the dam and he finds and he fires, excuse me, into a herd of a hundred emus and they are running directly towards him. And this is at about dawn. Apparently, um, fate was on the emu side because he killed about 12 birds and then his guns jammed. So the farmers, they started shooting at the birds with their rifles and the birds scattered into the brush. And the soldiers waited the entire rest of the day, and these birds never came back. So apparently they do learn pretty quick. Well, I mean, yeah. someone's shooting at me. I don't come back. I get that. <laughs> what if you dropped your purse? Leave it. There's nothing important. <laughs> if you want the crumbs at the bottom of my purse with all the receipts, go ahead, have it. What are the crumbs made of? Granola. Nah, I'll pass. <laughs> Too healthy. Not worth it. <laughs> So you remember I told you that there was a cameraman with these men as well. And he had been getting all of this footage. All right. They turn this into propaganda and they're showing the public this awesome footage. Like, oh, this is working so well. We're killing so many emus. And surprise, I actually have a video that I'm going to play for y'all real quick. Ooh. (laughs) So you see that and it's like, they're doing great things out there, right? music that they play with it (laughs) oh my god i love it hold on hold on hold on you said they only killed like six emus on like their first day yeah how many just just how many dead emus did you see in that short little 60 second video like three Mm -hmm. i saw like one or two so it doesn't really match the narrative that the speaker was portraying there and i'm okay I'm confused. <laughs> I'm very confused. I am struggling. Why? Why what? Why create this? <laughs> because they needed propaganda. No. Yeah, this was a great idea. They're th- th- farmers. We're here they for you. They only killed six. What they don't they need, know that. What they need are the kids on the bikes. I'm going <laughs> to maintain this throughout this whole thing. They need the kids on the bikes in charge. But the bikes don't work anymore because the carrier pigeons told the emus, look out for people. Don't go near them. They'll hit you in the head. Why the emus just tell each other? And I also think that they wouldn't have all figured out that quickly. Like, I'm not an ornithologist, so I don't know. You don't study the devil's winged (laughs) creatures? Oh, (laughs) studying birds. Okay. No, I do not. Now, you can find that video on YouTube by literally just... Type in Emu War, and it's by British Movie Tone, is the people that uploaded it. And like I said, this guy, he's, he's saying like how well these soldiers are doing, and this is awesome. But the photos that were taken at that time and what was published in the newspapers, they tell a completely different story. So you can look at that third photo, and that's actually a picture of a newspaper from Saturday, November 5th of 1932. And I found this on trove.nla.gov.au. And I literally just took a screenshot of the entire screen because, y'all, this website was so cool. You can look at all these different newspapers from all these different years. 
the highlighted section of that photo is what we're looking at. And I'm going to read it to you. And it says, elusive emus too quick for machine guns. New tactics to be tried per Friday. The Lewis Gunners, who are engaged to rid the Campion District of the emu pest, are having little success. Yesterday, only a few birds were killed. They're so fleet of foot that they are soon out of range. Today, the gunners have no more success and new tactics will have to be adopted. So I have to imagine these soldiers are just pissed, right? These soldiers are like, this is bullshit. These birds are freaking winning. And here we are. I I legitimately feel bad for these guys. Okay. This has (laughs) got to be like the worst mission any military has ever sent anybody out on. Can you imagine like the Navy SEALs having to deal with this, like for America, like, or like (laughs) Marines, you know, like these high class or higher tier soldiers being like, we can't kill these freaking emus. This would be like us sending the Marines out to kill every trout in the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I can't imagine. And then they send three guys. I don't, I don't understand. Okay. But it gets better. How can it get any better than this? It gets better when they mount a gun to the back of a truck and basically attempt to run these emu down. So they've got (laughs) O'Halloran in the back of the truck with the gun and they're just chasing the emus in the truck, right? The problem is the roads and the land were so bumpy to be accurate O'Halloran was having to hold on to the truck just to stay in it, and he never fired a single bullet. Sounds like a lot of wasted gas and energy. Single bullet. So reportedly, they tried this for a few days. And a few days? They didn't learn after day one? I couldn't find exactly how many days it, it said. Um, cause <laughs> but eventually, they did. They're like, well, this isn't going to work. So they just try to run the birds over. And I mean, one, of the bird, one of the birds that, or the only bird they tried to run over, it actually got stuck in the cab of the truck somehow. And it got tangled in the steering wheel and drove the truck into a fence. Some, so now the birds are like fighting back. Yes. Like no, unintentionally too. Yeah. Okay. So on November 8th, the soldiers had used up about a quarter of their ammunition. And we really don't know how many birds were killed at this point because reporters in the newspaper were saying about 200. Meredith, the guy in charge of this operation, he was saying that it was about 300. And the local farmers, they're saying 500. So regardless of whether it's two, three, or 500, there's still 20,000 birds not really doing much here 21,500 birds well no it would be at this point possibly 18,500 because we started with roughly 20,000 I just added not subtracted I'm great at math well this is just this is just during their migration Uh, Around this time, word had reached Canberra, and the reporters were asking the prime minister what his views are on all of this. And he didn't know it was happening, so he didn't know what to say. I imagine he's pissed. Wait, he didn't know what was happening? Nope. I didn't know. Because Pierce didn't ask. He didn't run it through anybody. He just sent the soldiers. I mean, I guess I do live by that policy of ask for forgiveness later, so... 
It's easier than getting permission. That's how I got a puppy. I mean, in his defense, it, it does seem pretty easy, right? Like, why would I go and ask the prime minister of Australia for permission to send two machine guns to kill a couple birds? But why would I send machine guns to kill a couple birds? That's a good counter. I have no rebuttal. <laughs> <laughs> so I imagine that Prime Minister Lyons is pissed because not only does just this just sound crazy, it makes him and his council, his administration, it makes them out to kind of seem like a laughing stock. So he immediately calls the troops back. And actually, I do have a couple of quotes here about what people were talking about when they found out about this. There was a member of parliament in New South Wales, and he specifically called it a farce. And when a politician asked if they were going to hand out medals for the war, a member of parliament in Western Australia came back and said that if they do hand out medals, they're going to go to the emus. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the emus put up a pretty damn good fight. I don't know about the humans. I mean, yeah. purple hearts all around for the emus. Honestly, they better have gotten a damn medal for having to do this. Because <laughs> you know they got back and the rest of people in their squad or platoon or however military works, they were like, y'all seriously couldn't just kill a couple birds? I know they heard that shit. Oh, I'm sure. And they heard it for the rest of their lives. Like, the this wasn't rest. like a temporary thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Not even the rest of their lives. This was in 1932 and we're talking about it in 2022. <laughs> so <laughs> their ghosts are going to hear us talking about it. Now, around this time, I do have another quote from a newspaper. I don't have a picture of it. I'm sorry. The Perth Daily News, they wrote a little story about the troops leaving and the war and how it's going. And this entire thing is the quote. No treaty of peace has been concluded and the emus remain in possession of disputed territory. It is therefore <laughs> expected that regular military operations will be followed by guerrilla warfare, which may continue for years and may be accompanied by stories of horrible atrocities. The emu commander is maintaining a studied silence as to his future plans, but it is understood that he is much impressed with the capacity for resistance shown by raw troops and confident that they will continue to uphold the best traditions of the race. He is credited with the intention to arrange for a suitable poem to commemorate the emu glory on the field of Campion. That might be my favorite, favorite quote ever. These newspapers are wildin', okay? <laughs> now the farmers are still having issues at this time because the soldiers are gone and they didn't even put a dent in this past problem so they go back to pierce and in response to the pressure that these locals are putting on him he tried to talk to canberra again and get them to let him redeploy the troops but they literally ignored him and they never called him back so pierce gets crafty he found a loophole and since Prime Minister Lyons made him recall the troops, he let the Western Australia state government borrow all three troops, Meredith McMurray and O'Halloran and the machine guns. So technically, he followed his orders and he made the locals happy with the return of the troops. So the soldiers get on a train and they head right back for Campion. They arrived November 13th, so they really weren't even gone that long, a couple days, four days. 
they immediately go out the same day they arrive and they find a herd of emus. They started shooting, but they misjudged the distance. However, they did manage to kill about 20 birds. Okay, a lot better. Yeah, I mean, they're improving. Yeah, they learned a little bit here. Now, November 15th, a couple days later, they switched to rifles and they stalked the birds. And they even split into two groups with Meredith and McMurray going south. And O'Halloran stayed north and Meredith and McMurray actually drove the birds toward him. But the birds overwhelmed him and there were zero casualties that day. (laughs) Birds overwhelmed him? Yeah, get it. That'd be a stampede of demons coming at you. Like, yeah, like these are that. Imagine Big Bird just running towards you at 40 miles an hour, but it's, uh, I don't have a number here, so I'm just going to say 50 Big Birds running towards you. I'm fucking gone, okay? Uh, Around this time, an animal welfare officer, he was with them, and he actually said that he had basically nothing to do, because while this was going on, and the soldiers are shooting and wounding these birds, severely wounding... They're still operating well and they're managing to escape. During all of this happening, Pierce is still defending the troops being there. But on December 10th, 1932, the troops were once again recalled for the last time. They will never be sent back. Major Meredith reported that the soldiers killed 986 emus in roughly the month that they had been there. Now, do you have any guesses at how much ammo was said to have been used in killing these emus? So Meaning less like than how many 10, shots? Ra- or less than 1,000 emus. Mm-hmm. They I'm had 10,000 rounds. rounds. Yes, originally. And they were there for roughly a month. They had that originally, though. But the, mm-hmm. they had more than that overall. I'm saying 50,000 rounds. Minimum. No, they, they came there with 10,000. That's their starting. No, 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 I know, but they got but then more they as they were also, there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they didn't? That's all they had? That's all they had. They went through all 10,000. Bree, what's your guess? I'll say 9,000. Y'all pretty much hugged it, uh, but Bryce is closer. They went through 9,860 rounds. They might as well have just used the last of it. Like, yeah. they've already wasted <laughs> it all. They averaged exactly 10 bullets per bird. And this is actually claimed to be one of the worst bullet-to-kill rates in military history. That is hilarious. Major Meredith later, he would come back and say that 2,500 more birds eventually died due to wounds. But nobody ever knew how he got that number, and he never explained where he got that number from. Estimate? His guesstimations? That's, would he have that's found what I would some say. Some dead carcasses somewhere? He'd they have were to gone. Go, so how does he know? Yeah, it's not like they're being tracked. He'd have to scour literally every inch of where those emu- emus were. Like, there's no possible way they did that. But if I went through this, I would probably lie too. So I, I can't blame him if he's trying to save face. December 13th, 1932. Farmers acknowledged that they were fighting a losing battle and they sold their wheat, finally. And before this, uh, or no, I'm sorry, right around this time, somewhere in here, they tried to get 
Pierce to send the soldiers back again. And finally they realized like, no, this isn't going to happen. And that's when they wrote to him and they were like, well, can you drop some bombs out of planes? They literally were requested bombs to kill these birds. And I, I mean, they're no, desperate. Okay? I get it. It's hilarious, but it's also Wouldn't not. They also killed the farmer's crops and stuff too, though. Counterproductive. And their houses. Yeah, that's the part I don't get. Um, but I mean, desperation makes you do crazy things, I guess. I mean, yeah, put up, you know, like a big, I don't know, yellow tarp on your crops and on your house so that they know not to throw the bombs there. I don't know. <laughs> like Maybe when you okay. Go and you have to write, not this leg. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly <laughs> like that. So maybe this was like a government conspiracy. The government sent the emus in. They gathered all of them from all regions of Australia. It was like, fine, if you're not going to sell us your wheat, we'll have some emus eat it. If we can't have it, no one can. Only the emus. And that's why they didn't kill all of them. What if they were actually just robots to begin with? I don't know. But they didn't have that state-of-the-art technology to make robots that look like... You don't know that. 30s. You don't I do that? know that. They didn't have computers. You don't know that? I, I do know that. The Agricultural Bank, they do, um, the people that loan the money to the farmers, they did have a little bit of, the, of a heart and they delayed charging the farmers because they know that they're struggling. This obviously didn't pan out. So the bank's like, all right, we're going to give you some time to pay this back. When they did eventually ask for payment, the farmers were like, fuck no. And one guy named Daniel J. O'Leary, he even wrote a letter. And in it, he said the government owes him money for his time, the food, the transport, and damage caused to his vehicles for ferrying around overweight soldiers. And he even referred to Meredith as Major Murdereth. Wait, overweight soldiers? Like, why, yes. why are we throwing their weight in? Like, that's just a low blow, homie. I guess maybe he was upset because it did say that the birds that the soldiers maimed or wounded, the farmers were the ones that were going around and putting them out of their misery. So they were pretty pissed about that. They're pissed about time lost. And I guess they were just pissed that maybe these soldiers couldn't kill these birds, but also neither could you. So why we got to be petty? That's why you need the kids, the boys on the bikes, okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Should have hired them to begin with. They would have been bajillionaires. Between the years of 1945 and 1960, the government reinstated a previous bounty system that they had. And the farmers claimed over 248,000 bounties on emus. In the 70s, 1970s, Australians started capturing live emus and they started farming them for their meat, skin, oil, eggs, and feathers. And ironically enough, they fed them wheat. Did they also grow the wheat themselves? That's a good question. I don't know. They might have bought it from the government, but I doubt that. Well, I mean, the government Nowadays, my wheat. <laughs> the emus are back to a protected status, but they're not endangered. They are actually classified as least concern, so they're no longer vermin. You have to have a permit to farm them. And the basic requirements for this permit include the fact that you have to protect them 
from predators, disease, extreme climates, pain, distress, suffering, and injury. So we're like a whole 180 here. But this has gone down in pretty much world history as the emus winning this war. Oh, they totally did. They won without a doubt. They yes. I'm sorry, Australia, but they won. That just oh, yeah. goes to prove my point about the devil birds, the devil's <laughs> winged creatures. Now, my friend Gamma, he said that people like they pretty much this is a joke. He's like everyone he knows or everyone that he knows of like australia just thinks of this as a joke they're able to laugh about it still feel bad for the soldiers but at least they can look back and they're like damn those emus really kicked our ass in the 30s (laughs) they have a sense of humor i like it (laughs) oh my hell how did you feel about this story (laughs) i maintain they are the devil's winged creatures (laughs) you know emus can't fly it doesn't matter. They still have wings. <laughs> they can't fly, but you can shoot them six times and they keep running. So who's the real winner here? <laughs> Correct. They are apparently bulletproof. So <laughs> would I prefer them to fly or be bulletproof? I think I'd prefer them to fly. I don't know if I should say thank you or F you because I'm a little more terrified of emus now. Hell yeah. Oh, well, you... <laughs> already thought that birds were the devil's winged creature. So this this just goes to prove your points. It does. It proves all of so, my points. Granted, so there is um, a lady on TikTok who I think she has emus and they're the one attacks her all the time. So she always Karen? has to like dip our... Yeah, Karen. I love that lady. She's hilarious. What? Damn, There's a lady on TikTok. Yeah, she has Karen an the emu, emu and... or something. No, Karen she... is the emu. Yes. Oh. <laughs> and she is a Karen. <laughs> yeah she'll like there's a video i'm gonna have to find that because i know bryce knows what i'm talking about but the emu runs up and the lady's just like and she just stops it's weird yeah in her more recent videos it's not that easy for her that bird is relentless so anyways moving on brie uh pretty sure you have a less terrifying story that doesn't involve emus i do yes I'm excited to share this with y'all. So for my last story, I spoke of the Black Dahlia and her gruesome and unsolved murder. During the story, I briefly told y'all that one of the the suspects, Robert Manley, um, his wife committed him to Patton State Hospital because he was hearing voices. So I figured, you know, why not go and continue on through his life. I don't know. I just thought that Patton State Hospital sounded weird, so I looked it up. Okay, this is the story of Patton State Hospital. The hospital is located in Patton, California, in San Bernardino County, and it was the biggest hospital at the time in the state of California. It stretched across the city of San Bernardino and the Highlands area in its prime. It opens its doors in 1893 with 100 patients in a Victorian-style building. Y'all can go ahead, and I only have two pictures up. They're both pictures of the buildings, and those are kind of later in the construction area. As I said, it was known as the biggest hospital in its prime, but when it opened up in 1893, it only had 100 patients, so it really only had room for 100 patients. Um, 
it was built in along the Quaker lines, and they believed that people responded positively to beautiful, beautiful surroundings and that the grounds had spacious gardens for people to enjoy. Yes, ma'am. I know this is a random fact that has absolutely nothing to do with what you just said, but uh, my ancestors, I guess, whatever, on my mom's side were Quakers. Congratulations. Thank you. So glad to hear it. Thanks. That's why my lines are beautiful. You mean your wrinkle lines? That's exactly what I mean. (laughs) Okay, moving on. Um, For years, the institution was known as the Insane Asylum because prior to construction in 1890, there were only two state institutions in Southern California, and this was underway to become the biggest insane asylum. So it's going to be named the Insane Asylum. Um, It's also been called Southern California Asylum for the Insane and Inebriates and Highland Insane Asylum because it was located in the Highland region of California. In 1889, 360 acres were purchased for the construction of, and from what I understand, just more buildings to kind of make it bigger, broader, and other sources say that more land was purchased after that for roughly about 600 acres in total. But I'm not 100% sure on that because other sources kind of said different things. But 360 acres is kind of what we know. By 1904, more than 800 patients were cared for. And the institution held nearly 6,000 patients in its heights in the 1950s. Wait, didn't you say that it was supposed to only house 100 originally? That was before construction. That was before they purchased more lands to build more buildings and all of that jazz. For some reason that that part went over my head. No, I was going to say, like, I know we hear these get bad, but damn. I mean, from what I understand, it was extremely crowded then. There were also 3,000 staff at that point. So the staff kind of lived in cottages that were kind of offside, but still on the, um, at this point it was, yeah, we're still on site. But yeah. So not only were the patients crammed, I imagine the staff was too. I didn't actually read that, but I know that the patients, a lot of sources said that they had to sleep on the ground in the hallways or the floor in the hallways. And some even said that they had to sleep on the ground outside. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah, because it was just so crowded. That's I mean, the at this staff point, this, or the patients, the patients. At this point, this was the height of the of psychiatric facilities of insane asylums, so it was huge. Jesus. Yeah. And it was literally one of the only insane asylums in Southern California, so there were a lot of people. Many of these patients suffered that many of these patients suffered from mental disorders such as severe mental depression and bipolar disease, but some physical as well. Tuberculosis was treated. Those who carried it were deemed inconvenient for society. 
Inconvenient. Okay, I'm targeted, since I might have it, apparently. And I'm the one that's inconvenienced. You're an inconvenience <laughs> to me, Amanda. Yet you keep coming back. Mean. You're so mean. I know how much you love her, Bryce. Give, give her a compliment. Please don't. Fuck you, Amanda. Amanda. beautiful today. Tonight. I'm both comfortable and uncomfortable. <laughs> <at the same laughs> time. Look, I show my affection through insults, okay? I don't that's, know how to deal with compliments. That's why I told you, <laughs> fuck you. You're welcome. You're the one that made me feel comfortable. <laughs> Amanda, you but, look ugly as fuck. I mean, I woke up like the, this. Okay. What can I say? <laughs> See, I know what to say when people insult me. Other patients suffered from alcoholism, drug addiction, violent solutions, and epilepsy. Of course, there were others as well. Um, treatments over the first 20 years included hydrotherapy, more than 4,500 sterilizations, rectal loosening, and male and female circumcision. What the fuck is hey. rectal loosening? Yes. What is rectal As a loosening? How was that a treatment? That's a punishment. I, so I looked it up on Google and all that came up was just treatments to cure rectal loosening, I guess. It's called, wait, let me look it up again. Cure rectal loosening. Yeah, so rectal prolapse occurs when the rectum falls from its normal position within the pelvic area and sticks out through the anus. That I'm happens to dogs sometimes. So if I may put this in uh, elementary terms, the inside of your butthole's on the outside. I'm uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Why, why is that a treatment? What is that a treatment for? I don't know. I don't like it. Okay. My bowel disease is uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, sterilization is nowadays called tubal ligation for women and vasectomies for men. So they took out women's ovaries and cut men's... Um, I don't know the proper way to say this. Cuts. It, cuts. Yeah. Snip, snip. There's no more blanks. babies. Yeah. Despite some of the physical and tr gruesome treatments, however, Hadley Mears, who is a reporter from... I did not get that. I'll have to go back. But she is a reporter. And she says that someone reported from the LA Times in 1995 who visited the institution and said they erected a small stage and supplied it with scenery in their large hall. And every week or oftener, give the inmates entertainment of musical or rhetorical character. With an occasional light comedy, the whole always winding up with a dance in which the inmates are only allowed to participate in square dances while the attendants and sometimes a few invited friends amuse the inmates with illustrations of the waltz polka and i have no idea how to say this shotis or gallop i'm guessing it's just another dance so essentially there was they had like entertainment and stuff you know the inmates were very I mean, that's what you kind of get from that, right? But despite this, a lot of people argued about the conditions at this hospital, at the institution, and said that they were completely terrible. 
many people in the institution ran away or killed themselves. Many, many inmates killed themselves. To not have to go to the dances? No, just because there were such terrible conditions. No, they they didn't run away just to not go to the dances. Okay, I missed something there. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. My bad. Some sources also believe that some of those who were quote-unquote discharged actually escaped from the institution, and the hospital just tried to cover up their tracks. Hey, okay, hold on. I'm I'm over here lost. Okay, so they had these dances. People killed themselves to not go to the dances. No. so, So they had dances and all of that jazz but that's just kind of like an overview of from what i believe what they gave to the public at that time because a lot of other people have argued the conditions of this insane asylum to be just terrible because there were so many suicides and or homicides no one knows and people running away and I will tell you something. Okay. Well. So the dances, they weren't for the, the, the patients. They were for like the outsiders that were like donating or charitable causes then. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I thought that they were just throwing like really shitty sock hops for the patients. Well, that's what I initially thought too. But given the times that they had these dances, it wasn't. I mean, state officials or people who were, you know, important were in the facilities or reporters were in the facilities. So it's very kind of iffy on whether they did this for the patients once a month or somebody came in once a month to check on the state hospital and the conditions and they ended up throwing this. Does that make sense? This sounds like emu war propaganda. In the start of the 20th century, it coined its name Patton State Hospital in honor of one of the first members of the hospital's board managers, Harry W. Patton. In the 1940s, lobotomy became a very popular procedure to treat mental disorders as physical, and more than 600 lobotomies were performed in this hospital. And that was shocking to me. That's atrocious. Electro-com- the electroconvulsive therapy, commonly known as ECT or electroshock therapy, was also performed. And some sources, including the city of Santa Bern- Bern- Bernardino, Ber- Bernardino, 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 Bernardino <laughs> website, say that the original buildings were demolished after being torn apart in the Humboldt earthquake in Southern California in 1923. What's a Humboldt earthquake? Humboldt. H-U-M-B-O-L-D-T. It's the name. It's the name of the earthquake. You said Humboldt, and I'm like, what the hell is a Humboldt earthquake? That's like, oh my god, did I destroy that house? <laughs> Can you just imagine? Oh, I can't believe I actually destroyed an entire, like, no big deal, guys. Like, don't praise me for destroying a building or anything. 
I just started going to the gym last week. I'm not that strong yet. <laughs> We're working on it, okay? But look at my quads. <laughs> Other sources say that the Victorian style was kind of taken down in the 1950s, 1960s to build a more modern landscape and more modern buildings. And it could have easily been both because, well, actually, because, I mean, it was it was most popular in like the 1950s. So it would make sense that after the population declines, they would, you know, tear some of the buildings down for a more modern landscape. But who knows? Patton State Hospital still operates today with roughly 1,500 patients. These patients include those incompetent to stand trial, Lanterman Petra Shorts, and I'll get into that in a minute, <laughs> offenders with mental health disorders, not guilty by reason of insanity, and one single sexually violent predator, according to CA.gov. And the same website explains Lanterman Petrus Shorts to be patients treated under a conservatorship agreement that Patients treated under a conservatorship agreement who are severely disabled and recognize a danger to themselves or others due to mental illness. Does that make sense? I think so, yeah. I okay. had to process it. Somewhere between 2011 and 2012, some 2,000 bodies were buried, were found buried within the context of the hospital. And a museum was created in 2015 to honor the men and women who worked there, as well as the patients. Many of the buildings were turned down or kind of re-glamped into something else. As I said, this institution at its prime was huge. Literally, the I thought that I put this in, but one article that I read said that literally the only things that were on that land were farmland, a little bit of farmland, the Indian Reserve, and this hospital. So it was huge. Um, only one building remains as the official Patton State Hospital and one cottage that holds the museum. So as I said at the beginning, the cottages were kind of where the nurses and the other work attendees lived so do y'all want to get into the hauntings fuck yeah, yeah there's yeah, not that fine. many there's really not that many i could not find a lot just because i think that the main reason is due to the fact that many of these buildings from the Patton state hospital were torn down and more buildings were kind of built up and so people Here's kind of made out well many people kind of just made stories about different about these hauntings that were they are what am I trying to say so because the grounds are haunted the ghosts still remain but they are said to be ghosts from when I don't know the new hospital was built does that make sense I don't yeah. know what I'm trying to say okay like they're Somewhat. they're residual energy yeah, exactly. Exactly. So the Bethany House is said to be kind of an older part from the Patton State Hospital. And I'm not necessarily sure which 
part. I couldn't really find the names of all of these buildings, which is extremely odd to me because I feel like if it were that big, then it should. But I couldn't find a lot of the names other than the Bethany house. And it said that one night in this house, a patient stole a knife from an orderly and killed them along with a guard waiting outside his room before taking his own life. His soul latched onto this house to await his next victim, as he can be seen roaming the halls, howling in the nights and holding a broken piece of glass. A, why are you howling at me? B, where the fuck did you get the glass? I don't, I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe, I have no idea. Maybe he, when he was coming out, he couldn't open the door himself because he needed the keys, you know, so he smashed it with his hands and then you know he got a broken piece of glass and he killed the orderly with it did he hold it with his hand because he eventually he killed himself right after right yeah so did he hold it with his hand or did he wrap it with a towel for safety that's my theory i have no idea (laughs) probably didn't have towels so yeah but you could like rip your shirt and use that to grab the glass instead of like cutting your hand you know like the sock on the baseball bat what if he couldn't get the shirt ripped like take it off you're a man it doesn't matter if we see your nipples we're the ones that censored valid okay another story of the bethany house tells of a nurse that tortured the women there one patient ended up fighting back and she ended the nurse's life she said to roam the halls laughing with fried hair and her eyes are a pitch black color. Wait, I'm sorry. Fried hair. Yeah, probably from electroshock therapy or something like that. Okay, so it's not like beer batter the and fried. or the nurse? Pretty sure it's the patient, from what I understand from the story. Well, because you said the patient fought back and killed the nurse. Yeah. So it doesn't make sense. Nurse? It would be the nurse roaming the halls then, right? Yeah, I guess you're right. I just don't know why she has fried hair unless she was like a mad scientist experiment gone wrong. Maybe she just has like textured hair or naturally coarse hair and these people are just rude. Yeah, that could be very true. Um, There actually were a couple of guys who heard about the Bethany house and... They made a YouTube video over it. I did not write down the name but of these guys, but they, I think it was something in Colby on YouTube. I don't know. But I'm sure you can just look up Bethany House Hauntings and it will pop up. But essentially, these guys reported being scratched by something, but it wasn't by each other. They're like having that. scratch marks on them. No, They did it to each other for sure. They're like, no, I didn't scratch you. So the other one scratched back. (laughs) They were like, no, I didn't scratch you either. What if they went ghost hunting and one guy, like, one guy scratched both of them? You know, like, where you see people go to Walmart and they put buckets on their heads and someone else's head? What if they did that? And he was like, dude, I got scratched too. Wait, I've never seen, I've never been to Walmart and seen people put buckets over their heads. What? No, no, no. It's It's like a TikTok thing. Yeah. Like they what is bucket. even your TikTok algorithm? <laughs> so, because okay, you're not I, on the I right one. I have not been on TikTok since I posted, which was literally like a year ago. 
You gotta what look the at the fuck are people doing? They're trying to not think about things with Ukraine and Russia, so they're putting buckets on everyone's heads. Yeah. But they're doing it six feet apart. Not really, but like like that matters anymore. I guess I mean, not it if does. You have a bucket on your head. <laughs> <laughs> they literally like what what they'll do is they'll have like two buckets or baskets or whatever, and then they'll put one over some stranger's head and put one over their head. And then, like, as they're taking it off, they're looking around all confused, like, who put a bucket on our head? And it was them. It's the dumbest thing. I skipped those videos, in case you were wondering. <laughs> oh, I watch them every time. Our algorithms are very different, Amanda. Mine are very uplifting now. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, mine is pure chaos. I am starting to get a lot of murder things on mine, too. Those were the only hauntings that I could find. Although a lot of these sources that I researched argue the mysteries behind the countless lives buried beneath the hospital in and at its prime. Nobody really knows where those souls went. They were tortured beyond measure and they just disappeared. It just, it doesn't really line up with hauntings, if that makes any sense. Well, it could be like blessed ground where uh, hauntings are unable to happen. It could be. However, the Indian reservation was separate from the hospital. But is that or the institution? Blessed ground. Yeah, it could be a different blessed ground. You're right. Because, like, a lot of people will argue that cemeteries can't be haunted because the ground is blessed, because you're getting a blessing when you're getting buried as well, for the most part. So they argue that a cemetery cannot physically be haunted if it's properly blessed. Then why are there only two? Two what? hauntings because it's blessed ground it can't be haunted but there are still two hauntings but they just got through the that that specific ground wasn't they got through the hot yeah i i don't know that's just that's one argument for some people when you said blessed grounds the first thing that came to my mind was not cemeteries the first thing that came to my mind was like fields of sage and then they just set it on fire Maybe that's how they do it, but um, I thought you were going to say coffee grounds, and I was very confused for a second. What? Oh, no. thought I was crazy. All right. Oh, I knew I was crazy. Let's keep talking. <laughs> San Bernardino is known as the hotspot for many haunted and paranormal attractions, many of which really have no explanation as to how they initially started they just kind of happened my theory is that the grounds on which the southern california asylum for the insane and inebriates or patton state hospital has many other haunting and chilling stories simply covered up by new buildings under a different name but if you know of any hauntings of the patton state hospital and want to share dm us on insta or twitter or facebook PM on Facebook. I don't think that's, it matters. Direct word. message. Just or email. Into our DMs. Slide yeah. into the DMs. Not in an inappropriate way. Because no, Bree no, has no, already no. requested pictures of everyone in heels and I can't handle it. If I get a foot pick, I swear to God. We're going to lose our shit. Yeah. It's, y'all, I literally just said that so that people could feel like 
they they can dress up for like a reason, you know. I hell, you I can dress, dress up for, for a reason. any reason you want. Go ahead and wear heels. Do not send us pictures of you wearing only heels. I I don't I don't want that. I don't want no, that. You have requested it. You have requested oh. it. Oh, if we get them, you're getting them. Only heels. I did not request only heels. Yes, you did. I Close say cold heels. heels. Whatever. Whatever. Bree, go back and listen to that episode. I am a thousand no. percent positive that you said. I did not only say only wearing... heels. Yes, you did. <laughs> I have Y'all had to listen to it crazy. multiple times. No. no. Okay, I'm done. Bree, I'm done. you can't argue. I had to edit it. And also, my dad said, if we get any nude pictures, it's your fault. <laughs> it's your fault. Well, <laughs> so. He's a cop, right? Ask your dad if that can be considered assault, if somebody sends us news pi- nude pictures. I think it's sexual harassment. We, have to, we would have to send them a cease and desist. And then if they did not cease and desist, then we could further take charge, press charges. Press charges. We do like a yes. cease and put on socks. <laughs> cease and no more feet or feet in those pictures. <laughs> cease and sock up. <laughs> Point is, don't send us pictures of your feet or of Please you and heels. If you want to dress up, by all means, go for it. But we we don't need to see right now. Dress up, right. not dress down. The more clothes, the merrier. <laughs> By all means, don't be humble. <laughs> don't be a humble earthquake, okay? <laughs> That's it. That's the title for this episode. Oh, I already have that written down. I don't know why you're questioning that. I wrote it down too. I don't know why I keep holding this up like y'all can fucking see it. I do that too, though, so. Yeah, I already did that, so. Humble earthquake it is. Anyway, Brie, was that everything? Yeah, it was kind of a shorter story. Fine. That was good, though. I like it. And I, yeah, I like the buildings. I like the style. It kind of kind of looks like a castle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very Victorian-esque. Mm-hmm. I mean, very it was great. the um, actually the man who was like the building person behind it. He actually had a specific building in mind. And he had designed other hospitals and other types of buildings before. I believe it was Kirkland's. And oh, no, that's a brand was... at Costco. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Let me, <laughs> let me look it up. Let me look it up. Real it and is the word something like that, though, like Kirkfield or something. The word you're looking for is architect, too. No, it's a specific type because if it's, mm-hmm. if it's who I'm thinking of, he's the same guy or it's the same design that the Trans-Allegheny was built in. But he's still the architect behind it. Yeah. That's but what it's like a, he has this type named after him. Fuck. Are we arguing is- the same point right now? I'm just saying that he's an architect. Yes. Kirkbride. <laughs> Kirkbride. Kirkbride, that's it. Yeah. Well, it was... It was his plan. He was Kirkbride. He designs the building. It was like his original plan. And he had previous plans before that that he designed with the Kirkbride plan. Okay. <laughs> right. I totally understand that. I'm just saying the official word is an architect because they plan and design houses, factories, office buildings, and other Oh, stuff. yeah. Yeah. 
That yeah. that's what I'm saying is that's the word you were looking for. What did I say? A builder or something like that? I don't know. Anyways, okay. Let's Anyways. look at you all, Miss Prim and Proper, knowing all of your words. Good for What's you, that Bryce. Like? It doesn't happen often, but I'm on it today. <laughs> it took me she's three just, minutes earlier to remember the word her. opportunity. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. To see pictures from this episode, you can follow us on Instagram at Hell on Heels podcast, Twitter at Hell on Heels pod, or Facebook by searching Hell on Heels podcast. You can find us on Linktree by typing in Hell, Hell on Heels podcast in Linktree. If you want to support us, please like, review, rate, and share, and subscribe. Please like, review, rate, share, and subscribe on your preferred listening platform. If you want to take your support to, uh, ooh, I have a new script if you haven't noticed. If you want to take your support one step further so we can create more content for you, you can donate through Patreon where we're working to release specials for Patreon and for our patrons there. Um, if you have your own true crime or paranormal story, suggestions, or words of encouragement, please email us at hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you guys all so much for listen listening. Be sure to tell or force your friends to listen with you. Um, this has been Hell on Heels Podcast. Bye. Bye. Bye.